Welcome to Dads, Daughters, and Dollars, a financial podcast for everyone. Now, here's one of my favorite people. (laughs) I'm Sean, the dad, clearly the favorite. And I'm Caitlin, the daughter, clearly my dad's mistaken. Welcome back from Parts Unknown, and I mean the other side of the world. Caitlin Mulcahy is joining us again, as I promised in our last episode. How are you, Caitlin? I am so good. It's so great to be back. All right. So before we do this episode, you have to tell us what your World Cup experience was like. And I'll just lead this by, it was 100 degrees plus here in Los Angeles and in New Zealand, it was winter. Can you tell us some more about your experience? Well, it was a really great time. I had an amazing team. I worked with um, a local there named Kagan, and he showed us around you know, like a a solid 60 mile radius outside of Wellington, like as much as he could. And And we're talking about Wellington, New Zealand. Yeah, there's plenty of Wellingtons in the world, but this is Wellington, New Zealand, which was the capital. Um, And it was, it was a great time. I was super lucky to be there and there were a ton of games that they hosted. I even got to photograph a USA game and yeah, New Zealand, even in the winter, definitely cold and windy, but still gorgeous. The water was so blue. Right. And so so everybody's not confused. My daughter was shooting the 2023 Women's World Cup in New Zealand. So it was in two places, New Zealand and Australia, but you covered basically all the New Zealand stuff. Yeah, I got to be in Auckland prior to it as well, doing photo, photo shoot stuff, headshots which was a great um, great experience. And then from Auckland, I flew to Wellington and was there for most of my time until I came back home. Right. Well, we are thrilled out of our mind to have you back. We saw you on television seven or eight times, and Mom and I were like freezing the frame and shooting the picture and then yelling at the director, why are they not taking more shots of you? But we saw you so much. And we're on the other side of the planet, and that was beyond amazing and fun and we were thrilled all right so today we're talking about lump sum investing versus dollar cost averaging all right before we talk about it i always go back through all our episodes and make sure i know oh we talked about index investing or we talked about whole life insurance whatever and i always try and make sure that at least we're giving out some new information and we're not doubling up what we said So when I went back, and this is, by the way, Caitlin, episode 707, we're in our seventh season. We do 20 episodes a season, and then we do best of. I think starting at around season three, we started doing best ofs. So we're well past 150 episodes that have aired, but more than 147 original. So um, I went, went back. I don't know if you knew this from episode season two. Episode 201, Why My Dad is Cooler Than Yours. Episode 202, Why My Dad Needs to Chill. So back to back, we're talking about coolness. And I was like, how did we do two episodes with that title? (laughs) So I just bring that up because I'm like, oh, we're not doubling up anything we've talked about before in this episode. But I'm like, how did we do those two titles? All right, so lump sum investing versus dollar cost averaging. First, let's define what both are. Um, dollar cost averaging 
is where you continuously invest the same amount of money in a in the stock market over time, you know, regardless of the prices are up or down. So it could be you have $1,200 and $100 every month on the 20th of the month you're putting into some stock, some bond, some mutual fund, some index fund. Lump sum investing is like, and the way this this whole thing came about is that if you, let's say you had a grandparent who left you $10,000 and you say, what do I do with it? Do I dollar cost $10,000 into the stock market over time or do I take the whole $10,000 two days after I got it and I put $10,000 immediately in the stock market? So that's what lump sum investing is. You invest the full amount all at once. So, you know, there's a part of me that goes, is there any historical research of which one is better to do? Because the the dollar cost averaging, it has this psychological benefit of, you know, if you're putting money in every month continuously, it takes some discipline unless you have your, your deposits on automatic deposit, which is a great, great thing. And I highly recommend. And so then you're not, if on the 20th of the month you're working and the money automatically comes out of your account and gets invested wherever, you're not tracking it. You're working. Maybe it, the weekend comes and you're looking and seeing how, oh, well, did I, what I bought, was the stock up or stock down? Was the index fund up or down? You know, if it's down, you bought more of the index fund. If it was high, you bought less. But psychologically, it's not as much of a hit on you if you took the full $10,000, invested it on you know, January 20th, and within a week, the stock market dropped 10%, you're like, oh, this was the worst decision ever. All right? So I, I wanted to decide what was going to help us figure out what was going to perform better in the long run, right? So I, yeah. I, I did a bunch of research. And the thing that I found so interesting is that there are 40 different opinions about this. But, and this is the tease because we're going to go into our break and this is a popcorn episode. There is a lot of um, hard data on which one does better over time. And uh, we're going to talk about that when we come back from our break. Okay? Be right back. Okay. Hey, everyone. Just want to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. It's the app we use to get our podcast to you. Sean and Caitlin have really enjoyed their experience, and it's super easy to use. Certainly, if Sean can use it, hey, you can. We really think everyone should use Spotify for Podcasters. Start talking about your hobbies or your deepest, darkest secrets. Something. You won't regret it. Okay, so we're back, and we're talking about lump sum investing versus dollar cost averaging. So what's obvious to me is if someone leaves you $10,000, you have choices. I can keep all the money like as cash and just like, oh, that's going to be part of my emergency fund. Assuming you have your emergency fund funded, you now have a choice between investing the whole 10000 or dollar cost averaging, and that might mean let's say you're going to put $1,000 a month into a certain index fund over 10 months, or you're going to, in January, you're going to take the whole $10,000 and invest it. So there have been a number of studies that have have been done. And Schwab even did one that was 
what they call 76 rolling 20-year periods. So like they would say, well, how would it do if it was from 1926 to 1945? How would it do if it was from 1927 to 1946? And they looked at all these 20-year periods, how you would do. So assuming after you invested a $10,000, you don't touch it for 20 years. And 66 out of those 76 periods was always the same result. The investing the whole lump sum at once was better. And can you guess why? Because you're like, if you invest a hundred dollars, you can only make so much from a hundred dollars. But if you do more than that, you're obviously going to end up with a bigger number. Well, partially. And the main reason is because the more time the money is invested, the longer it has to compound. So provided that you have a long-term horizon, and we talk about this on Dad's Daughters and Dollars, you kind of should have a long-term horizon. It's, it's just smarter, and it takes a lot of the emotion out of the game. If you can stay in for a long term, and I'm talking 20 to 30 years, lump sum investing will always do better. Um, so yeah. they found out that lump sum investing beats dollar cost averaging 70% of the time. Dollar wow. cost averaging beats cash, meaning like, so you have the $10,000 and you just go, I'm going to leave it at the bank and the bank's giving me 0.05% and I feel better because I'm nervous about investing. Dollar cost averaging, where you put just a certain amount in each month, beat just having cash at the bank 70% of the time. Lump sum investing beat just having cash in the bank 70% of the time. And I think anything beats just having cash in the bank. Yeah, hands down. But, you know, it was sort of like, you know, dollar cost averaging. It could be like I dollar cost average for 20 years. And for two of those years, the stock market dropped 40%. And you're like, but still, even with those drops of 40%, the dollar cost averaging, if you stayed in at least 20 years, you came out significantly ahead than just having cash. Mm. So, you know, I want to impress upon you and anybody of our audience, if you get a lump sum, whatever it is, and you invest it, like, for instance, I, I encourage you when you do your Roth IRA, that you're doing it like you can't invest on January 1st because the stock markets are closed, but invest it if you have like the max you can put in now as of this August of 2023 is 6,500. But if you had 6,500 to invest at the beginning of a year, invest it on January 2nd. You know, and let's say you were going to divide that 6,500 by 12 and put in the equal amount each month. If you put it in January 2nd versus putting it in, let's say, the 15th of the month for 12 months, that same 6,500, if you have a horizon that's long, and I'm talking 15 to 20 to 30 years long, then you will always come out ahead um, with the lump sum and doing it earlier and investing it for a longer time. Make sense? I will say I I, I wish that... Like in most situations, assuming like a lot of people, you know, aren't getting lump sums and then that lump sum still has like 20 years to grow that I, and maybe I don't know that this is necessarily advice, but this is just what I do is lately I've been, whenever I feel like I have enough in savings, 
I take whatever's like above where I'm comfortable or above where I know, okay, like my cushion is still okay. Right. Um, and I, I invest that amount in, um, an index fund and I don't do it. I don't try and time it or anything. I just do it whenever I feel like, okay, yep. Now it's comfortable. Like I know I'm getting a paycheck soon. So let me put this money in and let it grow. I mean, I honestly, lately I've been debating like whether I need the cushion that I have. And I'm like, am I actually really losing on a ton with this much of a cushion? Well, but here's the the thing is what you're, the thing I love that you're learning from this is even if you think you have too big of a cushion, you're learning how this is all about emotions. You're like, well, this cushion is this big. Should I invest some of it? Well, I'm looking in the future and I only have X amount of jobs booked, you know, because you're in a freelance world as a sports photographer. So you're learning, your emotions are pulling you both ways. Oh, I have too big. I should put this money to work. Oh, wait, if I put this money to work, will I then need a new lens and that'll cost $10,000. So there's this constant emotional pull you're going through. And one, I'm glad you're learning about it. Let me ask you this. When can you say like how many months ago was the last time you invested? I actually invested. Um, I, I think I invested a couple of days ago, actually, or like a, maybe a week ago. Cause oh. I remember doing it. I was like, Oh, this trade actually won't go through until, um, like Monday hits. I think I did it. I put in the order a couple of days ago or like maybe like well, a week ago I, or something. I'm not positive, but I think the stock is the stock market closed on Labor Day, which is today. Yes, probably. So, but yes. I feel like so, if I know anything about the stock market is they're going to take any chance they can get it for a day off. Um, but yeah, so Good for you. I'm thrilled that you did that. So you said that your cushion was big enough that I'm going to invest whatever you did. It's more just like trying to pay myself as a freelancer from like the company right. that I have. Um, I just kind of realized like what's currently like sitting in the company is kind of like it got really low at a certain point. Um, and I, it's since like, change and I'm like I should start paying myself more because it's like you know it's I just don't want it sitting in there I feel like you right. know that's money I've earned I should technically pay myself that right. um so at least in this next month um or like by October I think is when I'm giving myself like officially a bonus even though it's like it's money I've already earned it's just it's been right. things I haven't yeah it yet. means you're paying out more in October than you normally would each month yes Great. so I think that's my game plan and then and then I'll replenish what I've invested and then I might actually just invest more anyways yeah um very so. very smart I'm like the student has become the master um, I just, yeah, I don't want to regret, um, like, you know. Not putting money, money to work. There. Yeah, it, my money isn't really working right now. Like, you know, a good chunk of it is, but there's still a lot of it that isn't. And part of me is thinking, like, you know, I I should let that work for me before I, um, like, just regret not doing that. So Right. 
Um, also, as, as part of the show notes in this, I'm going to link to a great article that's, uh, what if you only invested at the market peaks? And I'm, I'm going to summarize this in like four sentences. Um, so this great article, where if you invested at the height of the market, so, you know, the stock market just went up to its, its all-time peak, and let's say it's 1975 or something, and you invest, because I'm so thrilled it's up high and I'm going to make money. And then... Um, like in the next month, the market starts dropping like crazy. So they did an article about a fictional guy who invests $2,000 a year during the 1970s. And then during the 1980s, he invests $4,000 a year, $6,000 a year during the 1990s, and $8,000 a year during the 2000s. And in 2013, he retires. He invests only at the height of the market, then it drops. How much does he retire with? And I, unfortunately, I can't tell you exactly. I haven't done the math of how much he fully invested. If you add, you that's know, that's so intriguing of a question. So he retires with one point one million dollars investing at the worst time of the market ever. So it could be like the market's at, you know, let's say this is nineteen seventy-five. The market's at eight thousand eighty-five hundred. And the next day, it drops to like 7000 And you're like, oh, I just lost all this money. He has $1.1 million because he never sold. He just kept investing at the worst time throughout his whole life. And he still has $1.1 million. It's a great, great. Just imagine if you just didn't care at all. And then you could still figure it out. Yeah. Now, if he had dollar cost averaged, he'd probably have like $3 million or something. Or if he'd lump summed invest at the top of the year, whether the market was up or down, he'd have probably have $5 million or something like that. It's just crazy that as long as you're putting your money to work and you're not selling and you have a long-term horizon, even if you invest at the very worst times of the year, you're, you come out really well. Yeah. Pretty interesting. All right. So that's this week's episode. Again, I want to thank our 34 countries that are listening now. I'm Is that amazing? So we started this in 2020, right, Caitlin? Uh, yeah. During the pandemic. And here we are, 2023, and we have 34 countries. And I'm, like, thrilled and we're on episode 707. I am so happy that you're back safe from New Zealand Glad you had a great time there. Didn't get too waterlogged with all the rain. Um, And I'm going to talk to you uh, for our next episode, hopefully. Um, Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please subscribe, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. See ya. The content on Dads, Daughters, and Dollars is for informational purposes only and does not constitute professional financial advice. Listeners should consult an attorney, accountant, financial planner, or other professionals to suit your specific needs.